You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast, episode 480. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP480. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Well, hello there, pod person. I am so excited to be here with you today, and we are continuing with our series around women's health. And I know that's a pretty monolithic topic, but we're drilling down into a couple of different areas. Last week, I spoke with the amazing Dr. Sarubala, where we discussed lots of stuff around hormone health, our periods. And if you did not know, now you know that periods should not be painful. In fact, period pain is not normal. What? I know. You probably need to go have a listen to episode 479. We'll link to that in the show notes. But today, we are going to give a call to my bud, Victoria Albina. This badass over here is so incredible. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She kind of knows absolutely everything about our nervous system and polyvagal theory and how to regulate your nervous system, how that informs our codependency or interdependency, which is something that we're kind of shooting for. So if you are a bit of a science nerd, but you also love the woo, this is absolutely going to be the conversation for you. I'm going to give her a call. Hopefully she's free. She's nonstop doing CrossFit. So if I can pull her away from a box jump or two, maybe she'll have some time to talk to us. But let me tell you a bit about her before I give her a ring. She is a master certified somatic life coach. She is also a family nurse practitioner and breathwork meditation guide. So we've got some good balance between the Western and sort of the functional holistic approach to medicine. She has a passion for helping women realize that they are their own best healers so they can break free from that codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing and reclaim their joy. Hello. If that doesn't work perfectly with this show. I don't know what is. She's also a host of a podcast called Feminist Wellness Podcast, and it is phenomenal, y'all. Definitely go check it out. And she's trained in a bunch of different somatic modalities, including somatic experiencing. She also you know, just to round it off, has a master's degree in public health from Boston University and just an overall awesome human. And one of the things that I love so much about Victoria is she's able to take really, really complex scientific neurological 
concepts and distill them into something with metaphor or analogy that can help us better understand. So I'm going to give her a call because I think the whole important thing around understanding our nervous system, specifically as women, is a lot of times the symptoms or the things that we're experiencing, like extreme overwhelm, stress, uh, needing to establish boundaries, feeling like you can never really calm down. A lot of times when we go to the doctor, it's all in your head, right? Like, oh, you are just being hysterical or you just need to calm the fuck down. Okay, I'll get right on that. So I think this element of scientific understanding is incredibly important so that we can better navigate the symptoms that are showing up for us, namely stress and overwhelm. So let's give Victoria a call and see what she has to say about our nervous system. Hi, this is Victoria. Victoria, hey, it's Amy. How are you, my friend? Oh my God. Amy, it is so great to hear from you. How are you? I'm amazing. And you are amazing. Oh, you're sweet. You're Aww. sweet. Stop it. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm hanging out over here with the audience, and we've been talking about women's health. Ooh. And I was like, I need to call up my girl Victoria. Hey. And I want to talk about all sorts of nervous system stuff, polyvagal. There, we've, we've danced around it a lot Ooh. in a very novice way. Okay. okay. Um, but I figured I should probably dial an actual expert. <laughs> so, That's so exciting. Do you happen to have a little bit of time? I mean, I was going to write uh, a novel all about the sinking of the Lusitania, but I actually am going to put that off. Um, and I did actually just finish doing CrossFit. Oh, wow. Because it's a really big part of my body awareness, my somatic connection with self, and feeling wicked friggin' strong. Nice. So I think I'm cool. Yeah, let's talk. Okay, cool. Let's well, nerd out. But can well, we nerd hard? Let's do Let's do like a quasi-nerd. Quasi-nerd. Like medium. Nerd medium. Okay. Yeah, I can handle that. The snippets that you do on your podcast uh, that are like 30 minutes, and then I love how you say... I don't want to overload your nervous system. So I'm going right? to stop there. Right. Yeah. So that's the nerd level. That's the nerd level. And you have such a great way of metaphor and putting mm. it into like a laywoman's term. Mm. So first of all, do you really write a fucking book every morning? No, just kidding. Yeah. No, um, right. I mean, I write a TED talk every week in that, like, you know, my podcast, but that's right. That's right. I do nerd hard on feminist wellness, but <laughs> which, I, which is a great, great pod if y'all want. To sort through some of the bullshit that's out there, please listen to Feminist Wellness. Um, okay, so what is nervous system work and polyvagal theory? Because I have seen a lot of stuff floating around the interwebs, and I'm sure it's all true. And so, <laughs> everything what, on the internet is true. That's right. Right. That's, mm-hmm. but, that's how that works. but but no, our podcasts really are true. <laughs> right. But no, no, no. Yeah. This one really is. What the fuck is polyvagal theory. So (laughs) polyvagal theory is the work originally of Dr. Stephen Porges, PhD, uh, and was turned into Englishable words by uh, Deb Dana, LCSW. You can always count on both the woman and the social worker to, says the nurse, right, Uh, to make things into English. Um, So God, Deb Dana is so dope. Uh, So polyvagal theory is the understanding that we have many polyvagals, 
the vagus nerve. The vagus yep. nerve is the 10th cranial nerve, the longest nerve in the human body. And it comes out of the back of the hepi, the back of the, the head and goes down the very middle of the body and enervates or gives nerve function to pretty much the entire animal. So okay. your cognition, your capacity to think, your swallowing, your breathing, your heart rate, your digestion, your thyroid, your reproductive function, all of that stuff takes its action, its activity, its capacity from the vagus nerve. You with me so far? Yes. Yes. Cool. The vagus nerve also plays a huge role in mood, in energy, and in our nervous system's capacity to react and respond to the world around us based on our neuroception, nervous system, Perception to see, right? Our nervous system's understanding of the world and whether it fits into one of two categories safe or imminent murder. Right. <laughs> yes. But like legit, right? Like that, the nervous system's either like, we're cool or doom. Yeah. Because, 100%. right? Like, on the savanna of evolution, those were the options. It was like, you're chill, you're like hunting, you're gathering, you're foraging. And then, oh my God, that is a lion. That is a cobra. That is death. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a ton of in between. So that's when our nervous systems got their initial settings as a species. And in each of our individual bodies, it's ages zero to seven is maso menos when our nervous system get it, gets its understanding of what safe and unsafe is for you as your individual human animal self on this planet, this go round. If we want to go a little woo, and I always say my my work is the place where the science and the sacred meet, we also know that the chakra system gets its settings ages zero to seven. So bada bing, bada boom, you do with that, you know, interla- overlap of the science and the woo, what thou wilt. Yep. I'm over here thinking it's pretty darn cool, but polyvagal. The vagus nerve uh, has three main states. Uh, was the, the nerve doesn't have the states, rather the nervous system. The autonomic or automatic nervous system has three main states. And as the nervous system shifts gears, it's sending different energetic signals uh, energy meaning neuron firing signals through the vagus nerve. So that's okay. how the vagus nerve and like the nervous system, they're they're interacting because it's the same it's the same machine in its way. Eyes, ears, nose. We're out here scanning the world. Is that a tabby cat or a death machine? Right, right. right. Stick in the grass, cobra. When things are copacetic, when everything's chill. That's the human steady state. That's where we want to be. That is the nervous system state known as ventral vagal. Ventral mm-hmm. means front body. And so I just remember your, the, your front body is reading the world and everything's cool. You don't see murder animals. You don't smell fire, etc. You're chill. Your brain works well, right? Because the vagus nerve has some functionality around cognition uh, you're not in fear. Your amygdala is just like, it, it's chill. There's, it's not firing, right? Yep. Um, your heart and lungs, you're breathing normally. Your thyroid's working. Your digestion's going really well. You can, your period is doing its periody things, um, right? Like you're, you're ovulating, et cetera. If there's something scary, you will have a fright. 
humans go from ventral vagal is our safe space. So we always try to stay there as much as possible. But if something startles us, we'll go into fright, which is a little bit of what's called sympathetic activation. Sympathetic is our fight and flight system. So where a human will go first with fright is to attempt to stay in ventral vagal through an attachment cry, right? So picture you're a little baby and you're in your little baby crib and something is scary. And so what's the first thing you do? You say, help. In baby just sounds like, I hope I got that translation right. And um, did it sound right to you? I know you speak fluent baby. Was that, that was good? That's right. Yes, absolutely. I've been worrying, working on my accent. Um, so you have an attachment cry in the hopes that someone will come support you so you can stay in ventral vagal. You don't need to get flooded with adrenaline, right? Hoping a grown up or, or someone safer than you because you're just a baby will come. If you are not attuned to, meaning your, your nervous system doesn't register safety and continues to register unsafety, because mm -hmm. right, threat or or the lack of safety, right? Then that attachment cry and that fright will turn into flight. Right. We seek to leave before we seek to fight because we understand yeah. that mammalian speaking, we're small. Like if you think of you and me and a rhino elephant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's book sure. it instead of trying to like punch that guy in the nose because it's not going to go very far. It's the best option. It really is. It's pretty darn smart. Or, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Then the HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis turns on to flood our bodies with adrenaline, a.k.a. go juice. Yep. Run, book it, do not be here, juice. And your body gets flooded with adrenaline, norepinephrine, later cortisol. These are stress hormones. We do not want to have high levels of these con constantly chronically circulating in our body. And we're going to get to why that happens in just two seconds. <clears throat> Back okay. to the basic science. We get flooded. We try to flight. We cannot flight. We go into fight. Oh, get out of here, right? Mm -hmm. And then we get frustrated and we go into rage if we cannot actually fight and escape. That rage, right, is the inward movement of what should be external, should be punching, should be release. But if we cannot actually do it, that frustration sends all that energy inward. And from that frustration, we recognize, oh, fuck, no yeah. one's coming. This threat is way bigger than my capacity to escape it because in this example, I am baby. Mm-hmm. And so then we go into freeze. So we dissociate, we disassociate. Our mind and body, which are one, split in a way. And the brilliance of our nervous system says, this animal is about to get snacked, but maybe last ditch effort if we play dead, maybe the lion, the vulture, right? The whatever it is, won't want to eat a dead animal. And maybe, just maybe, we'll survive this time. And if we don't, the body floods us with endogenous endorphins, opiates, to reduce pain. So should we get snacked, right? But can you guess what happens when we reduce pain? What else we reduce in the body? Every other function. Every other function and also emotions. Yeah. Right. So when we go from fight, from flight to fight, to freeze, playing dead, deer in the headlights, possum playing possum, right? Human checked out, disconnected, doom scrolling, Netflix on, glass of wine, right? That's the modern depression, right? That's the modern equivalent. 
right? We are numb to our own emotions, Mm. right? So it is normal, natural, and human to have this response in response to a threat. The problem is so many of us ages zero to seven, our threatometer got set to things that aren't actually threatening, Mm -hmm. like your mom calling your name from across the house. I remember I was just telling a friend this morning at CrossFit, actually, that uh, there was this like joke in my family that was like, is actually really painful. Like there'd be a crash across the house and everyone would turn and look at me and be like, Vic, what did you do? Mm. And it was the like joke that I had somehow fucked up or broken something or made a mess. And so every time I'd hear like some sort of thump, I'd feel that adrenaline race and then the collapse and I'd leave myself. Because I knew, I knew my, my nervous system knew that this threat to identity, to significance and belonging was coming mm-hmm. through that, that little shaming moment of blame. Let me ask you this then. So when we're, when this whole process that you're talking about and describing, when you're describing this situation right now, your personal anecdote, where you start turning off, you start t- Let's turn off those emotions. Let's play dead a little bit so we can be safe. Is that what people are commonly referring to as I am dysregulated? I am now showing up in a way that doesn't necessarily match the current circumstances. Yeah, I think a number one, we're overusing these terms without really understanding them, which okay. is a whole other problem, right? That's yes, a whole, I, that's let's talk issue. about narcissism. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, no one's a nar. I mean, like, I know clin- as a nurse practitioner, like a clinical diagnosis of narcissism is incredibly rare. Like, it's right. not, a, but yes, the I hear you. Would make you think everyone who, you know, anyway, but but let's actually loop back to that if you'd like to, because I think it's it's incredibly important. So dysregulated. So it is normal and natural and human for our nervous systems to cycle through ventral to sympathetic, right? You wake up, the alarm goes off, little bit of adrenaline. So you can get up out of bed, put on some pants, brush your teeth and have a day, right? But you go into sympathetic and then you come back into ventral, right? And then there's something that that, uh, overwhelms or floods the nervous system. You go quick into sympathetic and then wait. What? Sorry. I just, oh, so I went dorsal. I just checked out just a little bit. Like my partner and I were having a challenging conversation the other night and I just, whoop, shut down. and I just looked at her and I was like, oh, I just, I just went into a little dorsal and she was like, okay. And she knows what, how to support me around that. Right. Mm-hmm. In a non-codependent, interdependent, loving way sure. um, to help me come back. So it's normal. It's natural. We all bebop you know, across the three states and into something called mixed states, which is, let's do that when I come back on the show. We'll talk yeah, yeah. Let's not complicate it so much today. But so bopping into sympathetic, dropping into to dorsal, total, natural, normal. There's no Shavasana, right? Savasana is not possible without dorsal. It not no None of these states are bad. Dysregulated right. is when we go into the state and it becomes our steady state. Ventral vagal mm. is our home. Ventral vagal is our nervous system's most regulated, safest, bestest place. Our minds and bodies can come to understand another state as safest right? because it was in childhood. It was at some point, right? It was safer for you to be, for example, hypervigilant. And constantly listening to your parents' footsteps to see, hear if they were angry, to hear if they were drunk, to hear if they were, right? Yes. Kids can hear that in a footstep. Of course right. they can. 
children are amazing, right? So for example, and so we learn to be hypervigilant in the world. And some nervousness, and this is this is the like nature nurture, the sacred magic of what it is to be incarnated as a human. We just all come with a, a, an innate steady state. And then also we learn one, ages zero to seven. So it's like the who knows why some people go more door. Like I, well, you know, I used to go more sympathetic when I was younger. And then it's like any other system in the body, like or any other system, right? Like if you drive your car and drive it and drive it and drive it and don't do maintenance and just keep driving really fast, it's going to burn out, right? Then it's not going to go. Same with a human. Enough sympathetic, enough sympathetic, enough sympathetic. Your body's like, yo, no more. <laughs> I cannot yeah. make adrenaline for you. Like, right. oh my God, I'm so tired. So now we're going to just be depressed and lethargic and not able to move as a current state over a longer period of time that would qualify as dysregulated. Yeah. Or when you go into the state and have a really hard time coming back. Okay. So where it's a, a significant effort. Yeah. And it's really challenging for you to regulate yourself. Right. So regulate, if you think of like regulating any machine, like let's go back to the car analogy. So like being regulated is, oh, I'm driving down the street. I'm going to give it a little gas. Oh, there's a stop sign. Little brake, little sympathetic, little dorsal, little sympathetic, little dorsal, but inappropriate response to the environment. And being dysregulated is you like rev it down a city street. And then in the middle of the street, you, you think there's there's a danger. You see a lion where there's no lion and you slam on the brakes in the middle of Second Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So along that same metaphor, non-metaphorically, what does that look like in people's lives? What is pushing on the brakes or pushing on the gas in an extreme way that doesn't reg- doesn't match the environment? Panic attacks. Chronic okay. anxiety and panic attacks right? That chronic worry, that person who's just never like, oh, I I always have to be busy. I have to be busy. I have to be doing something. I just can't sit still. I can't. I just, I'm just always revved. I'm always going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Too much sympathetic, too much adrenaline. The nervous system is on high. It's on high alert. Every something could be wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong? You know that friend who's, you're like, hey, man, what's up? Wait, what's wrong? What's wrong? Yeah. You're like, girl, I just, I just said, hey, what's up? She's like, but, but is something wrong? Are you okay? Is everyone okay? Yeah. Are you mad at me? Right, that high, <laughs> are you mad? Oh, poor Megan. Girl, are you mad at me? Is everything okay? Did I do something wrong? Oh my God, are you? Are we cool? We cool? Right, that like revved up sympathetic. Now we're about to not be cool. Right? <laughs> poor oh, Megan. Megan. Poor sweet pea. I feel for her. And then, you know, you, you've been naming it and I appreciate that. The other side of that, which is that dorsal collapse, which is when we like legit do not have enough get up and go juice, that's depression. And that's part of, this is not a diss to SSRIs. We can, again, another complicated topic for, to discuss at some other point, but that's part of why people go from depression to suicide really quickly with SSRIs if they're not getting good therapeutic support, because Mm -hmm. it's like you get, boom, some adrenaline juice. Um, and all that depressive energy is still in you, but hasn't actually been been released in a supportive way. And then people have the, the get up and go to actually end things. It's quite, quite sad and yeah. macabre. Yeah. Okay. So, so just for my 
very novice brain here. Yes. So when you're talking about the three main states, let me see if I'm summing this up correctly. The three main states of the autonomic nervous system are ventral vagal, sympathetic, and dorsal. Yes, ma'am. And ventral vagal and dorsal could be, those are what we commonly refer to as your parasympathetic state. Correct. Is that right? Rest and digest. Right. Yes. Tend and befriend. <laughs> what right, other, exactly. What Beautiful. other fun little names can we yeah, come yeah, up yeah. with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be nice and take a nap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So can you describe then, because I always, th- I've always thought about it in a very binary term of like sympathetic versus parasympathetic. And that's what polyvagal complicates, right? Is adding okay. the third understanding, which is dorsal and then the mixed states, which again, next time. Okay. So tell me again, or underline the difference between ventral vagal and dorsal. What's happening for us? Ventral vagal is presence. Ventral vagal is me, you. Hi, I'm here. I am here. I'm here. My my mind, my body, my spirit, my energy, I am present in my body. I could describe felt sensation in my body. I'm at home in my body. And this is one, I mean, there's a million reasons I do CrossFit, but one of them is that the profound body awareness. So much of my work is somatic, is body-based, is, you know, I'm trained in somatic experiencing, sensory motor psychotherapy as a coach. How do we relate to the body in order to understand how we're living our lives and turn to the body as a font of wisdom? And ventral vagal is the place where you can, you have the capacity to connect in with your body's brilliance. Got it. That is available in ventral vagal. And your brain works goodly, right? So cognitive capacity is only fully available in ventral vagal. So let me ask you this, my beloved, my beloved Amy, you are being chased by a lion. Do you want your body to, A, number one, pause and digest a cheeseburger? No. Cool. B, number two, do calculus. No, (laughs) definitely. So neither one of those are available outside ventral vagal. Got it. Got it. It's like- Remember in school, you'd like study for a test and study and study, and then you'd get so nervous and sympathetic, then you'd collapse into dorsal and you couldn't remember a goddamn thing. Yes. So dorsal is the shutdown. Yeah. Okay. Sympathetic is, I have to, I have to, I have to. Dorsal is, I I can't, I just can't, I can't, I can't, I I can't tell him I want a divorce. I can't tell my parents I don't want to go to dental school. I can't change my diet. I can't exercise. I can't meditate. I, I'm, I, I, Amy Green Smith, what? Wait, where were we? Yeah. Yeah. Dorsal. Oh shit. And losing emotional capacity too. Yeah. I'm just like, when I'm in dorsal, I'm numb to myself and I'm numb to the world. Yep. And so my work focuses on supporting uh, humans, but particularly human socialized as women who are who live with codependent, perfectionist, and people-pleasing thought habits. And these habits live completely outside of ventral vagal. You're either revved up and freaking out about what everyone else is thinking, what they think of you, what they need, if they think you're perfect, if you're doing a good job, if they love you, if they're mad at you, or you're just so collapsed in not believing you're worthy. Mm-hmm. That all you can do is try to get external validation. Right. Because you just, you can't get it up inside yourself because your nervous system's so dysregulated. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. 
Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where well, here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com dot com slash speaking where they can get in touch with me because listen, it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice, take up space and advocate for their wants, needs and opinions like yesterday. And if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group, you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me. (laughs) And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what, you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits. And it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online. It will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery. And then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician, and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. Let's Get Checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits by providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash bold truth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code bold truth, all one word at checkout. That's bold truth to save 30% on your first test kit. Now let's jump back into today's topic. All right. So I feel really clear on understanding these. Yeah. Good. 
but I'm not necessarily sure about what to do about it because I've, I have, I have a history with anxiety and depression and, and lots of stuff in that I deal with, with my clients and students who also present in that way, because of course we attract (laughs) the same things that we need healing from. Yeah. If I were to say to them like, oh, we just need to get you back into ventral vagal or, you know, they're going to be like, tell me what the fuck to do. Of course. And and I know you've been excellent about sharing like here are some ways that you can either regulate yourself or co-regulate. Can you talk about those as a solution? And I know you've even shared anecdotes about you and your partner being able to help co-regulate one another. What What's involved in that dynamic? But break down, first of all, what does it mean to regulate yourself and then also co-regulate? Yeah. So regulate, um, like we were talking about with foot on the gas, foot on the brake, is about gently easing off the off the gas and slowly touching the brake. So regulating yourself is about calming the nervous system. So one, when we are looking, when we are working with the nervous system, we have two options to heal and to calm. Neither one's better. Don't, don't, don't fall into some binary paradigm of yep. bullshit of like, oh, well, just calming. That doesn't sound as good as healing. No, baby, it's situation specific, right? And, and they're both vital skills. And we're going to get to that in a second. I want to talk about co-regulating so we can, yeah, because I think that's really important. One of the big problems in the like white wellness industrial complex is this really colonialist thinking that leads us to believe that individual healing, self-healing is the answer, right? That it's all about each of us in our little tower as individuals doing this like healing work. And like, yeah, we need that. Like, like, sure. And like, it's a yes. And what we really truly need is decolonize our mindset and our bodies and return to the power of the collective. We need each other. We need each other on every possible level. And right now we're geeking out about the nervous system. So science says we need each other. Mm -hmm. So to co-regulate is to understand that my nervous system impacts yours and yours impacts mine. And I don't think there's a person listening who hasn't stood next to, you know, that person who's like jingling and jangling and shaking their foot and they're like really just revved up and they're like, it makes you anxious. It's contagion. Yeah. It's contagious through neuroception, through our body's understanding of safety and danger through our senses. So we pick up the sign that animal is nervous. What is a logical, if so, let's. Amy Greensmith, you're on the savanna. There's an anxious animal next to you. What are you likely to think? There's danger somewhere around here. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Because why else would an animal be anxious? Right? right. It's only because lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. Are you going to oh my me? Yeah, you are. <laughs> I knew you would oh my me. Thank you. Thank you. I knew I, I, knew I answered I, the phone There was a little bit reason. of a beat there. A little yeah, bit but it of was okay. Beat. You, you, you got there. I was faster. super into it. I was super into it. I loved it. And I okay. appreciate you. So, right. Because it's not the natural steady state of humans to be anxious. This is a, this is a modern iteration. Experience. Iteration. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love iteration because it points to the fact that we could iterate out. Mm-hmm. Ooh, thank you. You're I, welcome. I'm, ooh, tasty. All right. So co-regulating 
right? We can co-regulate in many directions. And we can also understand that we each have the power to calm the nervous systems of those around us, Mm -hmm. which is, that's pretty fucking magical. Like, yes, that's come on now. So I think of like any clued in parent of a toddler or like human who's interacting with a toddler, when they start losing their tiny little potato of a mind, which can happen because you handed them the cookie they asked for, and they start freaking out, what do you do? You drop down to their height so you're not threatening. You do this with dogs too, right? Mm -hmm. You get small and you say, hi, I see you're having feelings. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, tantrum and screaming becomes... Yeah, uh, I'm upset because I asked for cookie. You give me cookie. Mm -hmm. And then everyone's nervous system can just calm the fuck down. Because I'm calm and I'm offering your nervous system calm and nervous systems want calm. They want to choose calm because it's better for your tissues. Being flooded with adrenaline is terrible for cardiac tissue, for your heart, your lungs, your digestion. It throws off your period. It throws off your metabolism and your endocrine system and your thyroid. It sucks. Like as as an animal, like as meat, it is bad for us. And your body knows that. So it wants you out of it. Co-regulating our nervous system. And like, yeah, my partner and I do this for each other beautifully because we've both done such deep work on our history of codependent thinking. We really live interdependently, which is the goal in my work of of supporting people to come out of codependent thinking, where I define codependency as chronically and habitually sourcing our sense of safety, worth, and validation from everyone and everything outside of ourselves instead of from within. And so we spend a lifetime chasing other people's approval, mm-hmm. other people's hells yes, get at a girl, other people's, you did a good job, you're worthy of air, right? Instead of just trusting ourselves, our bodies, our nervous systems, because at some point in life, usually in our childhood, we learned that our families, our lives, and thereby ourselves were not trustworthy, Right. And so we don't have to have had an abusive childhood or a terrible childhood. We could have had all the karate classes and all the ballet and all the singing and all the, and still have lived with perfectionism. You got to get straight A's or you're not worthy, Mm -hmm. right? We could have um, lived with parents who did all of the things, but weren't emotionally present, which remember you get scared. You have an attachment cry. Mm -hmm. If that is not attuned to fight, flight, freeze, Mm -hmm. collapse. Right. So if parents were, again, driving you to gymnastics, driving you to karate, doing all the things, but were emotionally not present because of their own stress, distress, and trauma, your nervous system as a kiddo reads that as misattunement. You're not being co regulated. You're not being attuned to. Your nervous system is like out in the Wild West trying to like get through on its own instead of being met. Right. If your parents are in chronic freeze themselves, which mine were. Mine were, did all of the things, but were not emotionally present, which my little nervous system read is really dangerous and scary, and I'm not worthy because they can't meet me. Mm -hmm. So I developed a codependent way of of relating to the world. So back to the co-regulation. I go far afield. I always come back. The co-regulation, we've done a ton of work individually and together on our codependency, and so we meet interdependency with means with mutuality and reciprocity, understanding the 
other to be an autonomous human who is capable of caring for themselves, regulating their nervous system, and understanding that as humans, we are pack animals. And so we need each other, right? And so it was a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, I don't even know what. And I got a little anxious and she looked me in the eye and she said, do you want to get squished? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and she like just put all her weight on top of me yeah. until my little nervous system, which had gone into anxiety and gotten, I'd gotten roughed up about a thing. And I was just having a lot of feelings. About, I don't think I was also about to bleed. I was just like having a lot of feelings. And my nervous system just went. And I felt my every cell in my body come back to ventral. And then a natural, normal release from that physiologic sigh. I, I cried. I cried it out. And we were good. And she did it not from obligation, which is what we do from codependency, mm-hmm. but from wanting to support me with love and care, trusting and knowing I can do it for myself. Right. She knows I could get up and go dance in the basement, go, you know, like, I'm fine. Yeah. And. Let me make your job easier. Right? Like, let's just yes. do it together. I've always felt that about like really strong colleagues, friendships, familial relationships, spousal. It's not that they now make you worthy or make you deserving, but they can make your job either really a shit ton harder or a shit ton easier. So like, let's choose individuals that make it easier. There's another thing that I want to underline with what you just said, and that is that to pull it back a little bit more meta, you You've worked in this field for 20 years. Yeah. I've worked in this, this work for 15 years. And I think that there's a misunderstanding that once you understand this stuff or once you learn about your tools or your the critical factor of the mind or subconscious or whatever, that now you are void of hardship. Like you won't <laughs> ever. So what I want everyone yeah. to hear as we're going through this is that in all of her acumen and education and intelligence and practice, you still have to use your goddamn tools. So I need everybody to hear that, that this is not about an elimination of hardship. It's about contending with difficulty from a place of power and understanding tools that actually help you in your present state, whatever that is, instead of being mad at yourself for getting into that present state. Listen, I, I say it all the time. The three C's in feminist wellness are compassion, curiosity, and care. Compassion, curiosity, and care. And so each time we're met with a challenge, it is an opportunity to meet ourselves with compassion, curiosity, and care so we can up-level. And so the next time we can meet ourselves with a little more compassion up front, get curious a little quicker, and then care for ourselves on the back end in a, in a deeper and even more nourishing and restorative way. So the next time yeah. we have compassion quicker, curiosity quicker, and more yes. care, right? And so it's this constant up-leveling that then allows us to give from, to, from our overflow. So mm-hmm. when I was deep in codependent thinking, when I was wildly perfectionist and people-pleasing and my nervous system was wicked dysregulated, I would give and give and give and give in this way that was depleted because I was depleted, but I needed, I believed that I needed to prove my worth by giving and giving and over-functioning a term from Harriet Lerner and giving and giving and giving. And now I fill my cup. I'm partnered with someone who fills my cup, which is not codependent. Oh no, I don't need her. 
And she knows this. She like tells this all the time. The sexiest thing I ever said to her. I looked her in the eye and I said, Billy, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. It was like three weeks in. She was like, oh, nice. Right. Let's go get that U-Haul. Let's get, <laughs> that's step two. First of all, I don't need you, but step two, let's get that U-Haul. And oh, <laughs> cute. But right, like I don't need her in a grasping way. And I have found someone who helps me to fill my cup. Yeah. Right. So I am emotionally repleted. I am nourished. I nourish myself. And I trust and believe that I can completely do that for me. And from there, I can allow her to do it and I can receive that, which for me only comes from ventral vagal and interdependence. Okay. So let me ask you something about this. Let's, let me drill down. This is a slight caveat, but I guess not a caveat, um, a detour. I love a good detour. How do we reconcile this idea of like, I don't need you? But then also, I need you because we're pack animals and we need to... (laughs) Buddhism. It's the quality of grasping. So from codependency, we don't believe that we are worthy or valid. And so we need to. We believe that we need to keep other animals around to tell us and prove to us and show us that we're worthy and valid. Because if not, we don't believe it. And so there's this grasping energy. There's you know, like, oh, hey, I got you these 12 presents for your birthday and I really hope you like them. This this one was expensive. This one took me 40 hours to make and I did this thing for you. And do you love me? Am I acceptable? Will you always, did I do something wrong? Oh my God, fuck, I'm sorry. Are you going to reject me? Mm-hmm. The human psyche needs, requires two things in service of a third, significance and belonging. That's all we're fucking looking for out here, right? Do I matter to you and do I fit in with you? And those two experiences, am I significant and do I belong, are in service of safety. When the lions come, will you pick me up and put me on your hip and help me run out of this village? Right? Because I am a children. Right? We're all just inner children trying to to get through. So in our romantic relationships and other relationships, from a codependent place, we're turning to our partner to say, show me today that I, as an animal, have significance in this world and prove to me that I belong anywhere with anyone. And I am grasping at you to prove these things to me time and again. Prove it to me. Because I do not believe it. And so if you do not prove it to me and prove it to me and prove it to me, then I am going to go into a tailspin of unworthiness. So I'm going to chronically grasp at you for that versus the interdependent. So I I know I am significant in the world. I now know, this is not the case 15 years ago, let me tell you what, or even 10. I know that I matter, right? And I know that I belong because I belong with me. I matter to me and I belong with me. And I have built a community, a chosen family, right? That reflects that back to me and reflects back what I already know. So I don't worry anymore if my friends are mad at me or if I've like done enough to prove myself a good friend. I know it. I trust it. So it comes from that self-trust that is embodied, right? My In my body, I know that I'm enough, that I matter, that I'm lovable, that I'm worthy, right? And so I'm not grasping at anyone to show me that. And I know that as an animal, That is an important thing for me. 
to have that love, to have love, to have connection, to matter, right? So I volunteer, right? I volunteer at the food pantry on Wednesdays. That's a beautiful way to feel significance and belonging, to give and give back and get so much. And Billy reflects that back to me all day long that I'm loved and lovable when she accepts my love and I accept hers. And so do my friends. My friend Marie and I text each other probably 20, 30, 40 times a day. Girl, I love you. Alessandra and I do that too. Rob and I do that. I have a a metaphor. I was I was trying to think of a metaphor and then I was like, oh, bitch, you already have one. Like, <laughs> why are you trying to make up new things? But I, I think about it kind of like this, that, that we have... You're, you are sort of like a house and you have all these intricate rooms and these some places that you like to show off and then some that you like to kind of hide. But this this house has value, period, no matter what. And Ooh. then you have people who will drop by and they'll leave like a bunch of shit on your porch. And those pe- that's like criticism, rejection, um, all of the things that carry sort of negative or uncomfortable, I should say, uncomfortable emotions that come our way. But we are at that decision point of like, am I going to take this into my house and allow it to affect it? Or am I going to say I'm currently not accepting any piles of shit and like, please be on your way. And then conversely, there are people who leave a beautiful gift on your porch. This is kind of like what you're talking about with your friendships and Billy. It's that there are people who leave a beautiful gift and they're like, oh, I know you love this whiskey or here I got you new knee straps for your box jumps at at CrossFit (laughs) or whatever. And you get to go, hey, I'm going to bring this into my house because it actually feels good. It actually helps me. It supports me, but it doesn't change the goddamn value of the house. That's what I think we have to recognize is with or without that positive affirmation or the or negative we still have that intrinsic value that doesn't change. Mm. But so often we go, oh, someone shit on my porch. That must mean this house sucks. That must mean I'm not valuable. And so I think it's it's understanding that, yes, you have value and worth, period, already. You don't have to work for it. You have it. And there are things that are presented to us in our life that either make our job easier or make our job harder. And I think that's the piece of surrounding yourself with community and work that matters to you and all of those things that help contribute to the actual enjoyment of life, that they all carry an emotional response. Yeah. Right. So when Billy does those lovely things to you, there's an emotional reaction that comes. And like, I don't know about you, but I'm searching for more pleasure in my emotional reactions. Right. So like, what can we do to set ourselves up with that? One, one thing I want to circle back, and I don't know if I'm opening up a total can of worms here, but I just am curious what your perspective is. I've heard a lot of controversy around polyvagal theory. And I I recognize that you are an a legitimate medical professional. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, UCSF. And yes. I understand that there are a lot of people who spout theory. Well, first of all, it is a theory, right? Sure, it, it is a theory, and it, it is needs a theory to be posited as such. Yeah. So, and I'm curious about. I don't know a ton about the criticism of it, but I have seen stuff like, oh, it's the death of polyvagal, and blah 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 blah. Your thoughts. 
here's what I think is that, yeah, it's a theory. And I think we need to really posit it as such, right? And just be really clear that it's it's a theory. Science is complicated, right? It's all about results, theories, laws, theorems. It's all about hypotheses that are either, you know, there's there's no proof in science, right? I mean, that's okay. So maybe that's the central tenet of what I want to say. There's no proof in science. Nothing mm-hmm. can be proven. That is the scientific method. There is no proof. We cannot prove gravity. Can we dispel the null hypothesis that there's not gravity? Let me drop a pen and see if it hits the floor. Right. But right now I have some evidence that there may be, there may not not be gravity. <laughs> right. But that's all we can say within science. I have evidence that there may not not be. Right. So can we poke a thousand hole in polyvagal? Sure. Am I interested? Not really. Okay. Because it's a helpful narrative. And so if we understand the human mind, and if we, again, go back and think of how human knowledge is has been, uh, how do humans relay knowledge from one generation to the next, across cultures, across mm-hmm. time, across space? It's narrative. It's story. Storytelling. We yeah. are story-driven animals. So mm-hmm. what's polyvagal? It's a really goddamn helpful story. Mm-hmm. It's a narrative that helps me to say, scared animal, adrenaline. Yep. Shut down animal, acetylcholine. Yep. Revved up, shut down. Right? So in my work, one of the primary things, so so the main way I work with folks is in my six-month container, Anchored, where we use polyvagal theory, somatics, or body-based practices together with thought work and breath work to overcome codependent thinking. The main A number one thing we do is understand how to map our own nervous systems using the basic structure and framework of polyvagal as a way to understand it's not me, it's my nervous system. Mm-hmm. I'm not this terrible, bad person who like got all anxious because I'm bad, defective, broken, there's something wrong with my character. If you know what I'm saying here, yeah. You're just taking care of yourself. It's my nervous system. hmm it's automatically, autonomically taking me to there. Once I can see that, that's where personal responsibility steps in, right? And I can understand I reacted and now I get to respond. I get to come correct as an adult, regulate my nervous system, calm it, and then do the longer term healing work. We didn't get to the difference between calming and healing the nervous system. We'll do that next time I'm I'm on the show. Um, <laughs> right. So now I get to calm my nervous system, long-term heal it. Right. So I create more space in my nervous system. So I have more capacity to stay in ventral vagal when things get scary or overwhelming. And from there, um, get to create more space to not freak out to not get anxious, to not just shut down, but to stay present. And so if polyvagal is a useful vehicle for people to understand what's happening in their body and not just blame and shame themselves, then hallelujah, let's do it. And if someone's like, you know, well, but um, scientifically, I just don't think that's happening in the neuro, then baby, you, you come up with another framework that works for you. Teach it to the rest of us. I am here to hear it. And for now, polyvagal-esque really helps me. It helps my clients. And I'm never not going to say it's a theory. It's not polyvagal fact. So that's what I think. That's interesting. 
I'm always <laughs> blown away by how we forget that science is malleable. Yeah. And that it is ever evolving. And that's the whole, it's predicated on that notion that like the more information we gather, <laughs> the more assessments we can make and the further advanced we can become. And so, you know, the shit that we believed was concrete in the 50s is obviously very different now. So, so I think it's just constantly being aware of that stuff and being curious. And, and so I really appreciate hearing that perspective. I feel like I could talk to you for like for hours and nerd out on all of this stuff, but I recognize that that we probably have to set some sort of a limit. Obviously, you've talked about Anchored. It sounds incredible. Where can people find more about you? I know you have a podcast. Tell them, tell them all the ways to find you. Yeah. So my pad- podcast is called Feminist Wellness, and it's free in all of the places. Um, you can download it every Thursday. Uh, you can follow me on the gram. I give good gram at Victoria Albino Wellness. My program is called Anchored. You can find out more at victoriaalbino.com slash anchored. And I have a present just for your listeners. Oh, fun. Isn't that so fun? So if you head over to victoriaalbina.com slash truth, you can download a suite of meditations and nervous system orienting exercises to help ground you, help orient you, uh, support you in working your own polyvagal theory back in, into ventral vagal and working with uh, your own beautiful nervous system. And that's completely for free um, because I appreciate you and the work you do and your amazing listeners. So that's victorialbina.com slash bold faced truth. Perfect. And thank you for that. Thank you for the yeah. enunciation on that. We will definitely have that in the show notes. You will not want to, I mean, who doesn't like some good Good quality free shit. Come on. Um, yeah. So absolutely scoot over there and and snag those up. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your wisdom and your expertise and and hanging out with us here over at the Bold Face Truth. I have taken so much of your time. So I will say I love you. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you later, my friend. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That was part two of our very female health-driven episodes. I'm going to be doing a solo episode next week about health. Please be sure to tune in. And until then, please be sure to grab your freebies from Victoria. Grab your freebies from me too. If you have not done so already, you can go to amygreensmith.com slash free. Lots of free sources over there for you. And In the meantime, please remember you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves and if you do i will give you a mini pig just kidding but i will be so very incredibly grateful okay thank you bye